everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Friendly Local Game Pod, the podcast where Rachel and I talk about board games and uh, what we're playing, what we're excited about, and just whatever other nerdy stuff happens to be happening in our world. How are you, Rachel? I'm doing great, Jenna. How are you doing? I'm good. So what have you been playing? I've been playing the new game by Stonemeyer Expeditions. So this is a spiritual successor to Scythe. But I would say that you definitely don't have to play. It's a standalone. So mm-hmm. you don't have to have played Scythe first. And in fact, I would recommend playing Expeditions first. Because it's not quite as complicated. It plays faster. And I think the rules are easier to explain. Okay. It's still a, like a complex game. There's a lot of strategy involved. It's one of those games where you know if you make a mistake, that's it. You know, so the, it does not leave much room for error. This is in not a strategy. Game. No, <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I think that I like it more than Scythe. And I love Scythe. So so basically, the way that it's played is you have a mech. <laughs> and that's your moving piece on the board. There's a lot of theme in this game. But for me, it doesn't really come through. Basically, a meteorite landed in Siberia, and you're racing other well, not racing, but you're out there with other expedition teams to I guess it was like a meteorite shower or something. Mm-hmm. You're picking up meteorites and they give you abilities. <laughs> nice. That's about as deep as I'm going to go into the <laughs> theme because it just, it looks cool. I'll say it has the same style artwork as Scythe. I know it's not your favorite. I enjoy it, but it just it doesn't really matter. Right. <laughs> so you have your mech board, which is sort of your action board. And on that board, you've got guile and strength, which are basically, as you play things in the game, those two meters will go up and then you use guile and strength to complete different things. Okay. And then you have your action selection, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And then you've got resources. So there's workers you can get in the game and things like that that stay on the board. It's it's a pretty good, like probably a six inch by six inch board. And then you can attach things to the board by sliding it under as you play the game, which gives you more abilities. So that's the central <laughs> part that you're looking at. Right. And then the board is interconnected hexagons. Everyone starts on one side of the board at the home base, and it's called the glory board, because as you reach certain glory conditions, you put your stars on the board, and those give you points at the end of the game. Okay. Um, so if you're the first to do or something, or you reach this milestone, you get to put your glory star. You get to boast in the game and put your glory uh, star on okay. the board. So that's similar to Scythe, um, except okay. for Scythe, it's more of a multiplier, I believe. Okay. It's been a while, but <laughs> but that's similar to some of the conditions in Scythe, but that's about it. So you start at the home base and you're moving across these hexagons and there are spaces where there are no hexagons and that's where cards are laid out that you can choose from to sort of build your deck. So it is 
a deck builder. It's weird because I was thinking like, how am I going to describe this game? And it's like, it is a deck builder. But it's also there are things you can do in the game that make the cards more powerful. So not only are you getting cards, but you're also trying to achieve things in the game to make those cards when you play them more powerful. And you put workers on the cards, not on the game board. Oh, to unlock certain abilities. Yeah, yeah it's huh. it's a little different. I really like it. It took Bill about five times explaining it to me. <laughs> At one part for me to like get it, but <laughs> because your cards. So on the left hand side of the player board of the mech board, there's your hand. Your hand is open to everybody. So you lay those cards out. When you go to play them, you put them on the right hand side of the board And so I was thinking of that as like the exhausted side of the board, which Mm. it is, but you're actually playing it when you put it on the right side of the board. So that's when it activates. And then you can put your worker on it to unlock more benefits to playing that card. So that was hard for me to wrap my brain around. And I don't know why I feel like it's backwards. <laughs> it just was not. It was one of those days where I'm like, I hear the words coming out of your mouth, but like, I'm not understanding don't when, understand what it. does what. Yeah. yeah. Like... But it's, it's funny how like some simple mechanics sometimes I'm like, what? <laughs> but, <laughs> it happens. Yeah. So the first kind of section of these hexagons on the map are turned right side up. The rest are upside down, and they have exploration tokens on them. Exploration tokens you get when you move to that tile, and they're one of the glory conditions. So if you get a certain amount. Bill also had a character, because the characters have asymmetric abilities. So his character used those exploration tokens to allow him, he could cash them out to do things. Hmm. So that was kind of interesting. At the beginning of the game, you get two cards. You get your player, essentially, and your companion. All the companions are canine. Oh, so like cute. a wolf, yeah, <laughs> doggies, like, like sled dogs. It's pretty cute. Yeah. But those are basically the starting two cards in your deck. As you move to different areas, you're going to be able to pick up more of those cards that are open on the board to build the deck. So Gameplay plays like this, and it's going to be a little difficult for me to explain, so bear with me. But at the beginning of the game, you have three actions open. Those actions are move, play, and gather resources. So the only other time that you will play all three actions on your turn is if you refresh the turn before. Otherwise, you're only playing two. So you're going to move to like the refresh space. And at the beginning of the game, we've got these three options open. So you can move your mech one to three spaces. You can gather. So each tile has different options to gather and you can play cards from your hand. Right away at the beginning, you're not going to be able to do a lot with your cards because you don't have any workers to unlock other abilities. You don't have any other cards to play in combination, really. So you're basically just increasing like your guile or strength at that point. Then your next turn, so your second turn, you're only going to be able to do two of those abilities. And the way that it works is you move your cube from that refresh sort of space to one of the other actions. So you might cover play. Um, so then you can only move and gather. 
the next turn that comes around to you, you're going to, you have to move your cube to another one action. So you can't do the same two actions over and over again. Right. And then when you refresh your hands, you move all your cards from the right back over to the left and take off all the, the workers and everything. Mm-hmm. When you refresh your next turn, you're going to be able to do all three of those actions right, again. the cube's not there. Yeah. That makes sense. So I thought that was pretty cool. That I, that timing of like, well, I want to get over there to get these resources and do that, but... But then you get there and you realize, I don't have the play option available. (laughs) Like, what was I thinking, you know? But I thought it was really interesting. Now, there's three different types of cards in the game that you can draft. And those are items and quests and meteorites. And then there are ways in the game to graft a meteorite basically onto your mech. And then you cool. slide those. Yeah, you slide that card when you decide to do that underneath your board. Mm-hmm. And then you unlock an ability underneath, like on the side of the card. That's cool. And then that's permanent. So and same with same with items. Now, quests, on the other hand, you don't really get anything ongoing for the quest. But if you complete four quests, and you do get something right away when you complete the quest. When you complete those four quests, that's a glory Uh, condition. Right. Yeah. So you so those are interesting. Like, there is some asymmetry in the beginning, like everybody's mech has a certain ability. And then whatever leader you choose, has the companion that goes with it. And those have an ability that differs from everybody, but really most of the asymmetry in this game is going to come from those items that you attach to your mech. And that can make your gameplay very, very different. So I found myself getting I getting things that worked in combination with each other. So I would have these like crazy long turns where well, not long, long, but you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing more than just playing a card, right? I'm playing a card, which let, allows me to grab this and which allows me to do that, which allows me to unlock this, which, you know, so yeah. all these things are happening. And it looked like I was doing a ton. But I did not win this game. <laughs> <you know? laughs> right. So I was doing a lot. I was not as strategic as Bill was because I was just like pushing buttons, right. you know, Seeing like what, what does happens. this do? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's fun to have one of those turns where you do 15 different things. Right. <laughs> yes. Even if it maybe doesn't help you in the long run. And I also, because I had those combinations of things happening, I had to refresh way more often. Mm-hmm. So even though I had the benefit of those three activities on my next turn, I was missing a chance to play right in between. So that was kind of interesting. But at the end of the game, there it's a point salad. So you're the glory, um, there's corruption on the explored tiles. And you can fight that corruption. That's a glory condition. All these things that you can do will give you points. Well, coins, but the coins are just representative of points. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I'm not exactly sure how money plays into it. I guess maybe you're getting money for exploring and getting these meteorites. Again, loose theme. <laughs> not <laughs> not necessarily important. But yeah, so that at the end of the game, you're exchanging all these things for coins, and then you count up your coins. So 
yeah, I I really enjoyed it. It's a much faster play than Scythe. It's one that I think would could benefit from more people where with Scythe, I don't want to play with more than three people. Right. But I think the game would be tighter with more people. This is one that I would say that I, I would want to play more at three or four than at two. Hmm. I had a lot available to me at two, but I think it would have been more challenging. Not that I need it to be more challenging because I didn't win, but <laughs> um, but I, I think it would add more tension to have right. a third or fourth person because the resources would be more constrained. So, right. Yeah. So that's what I played. Two thumbs up. <laughs> All right. I like it a lot. I will admit, I think, and I don't know why Scythe just hasn't been super appealing to me. It's not one that if somebody is really like, Jenna, we're going to play this today. Like, I'm going to be like, oh, okay, fine. But like, I just have never, we've never done it. We've never yep. dug in. The one time we did play it at New Year's, it was like five people and it was 2 a.m. Yeah, that's And not... I was not going to do it. <laughs> no, um, no. So like, it's just, it's been one of those games that has just kind of passed me by. But this one does sound interesting. I like I really like the the sound of that, you know, two action mechanism where you're kind of rotating around what you're doing. I don't know. I think there's some intriguing yeah. things there. So, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Our third round, Bill and I looked at each other and we were like, Jenna's going to kick our butts at the same <laughs> <laughs> I do tend to like those, like, puzzly action selection type yeah. things where you're maximizing what you're doing in a very limited space. Agreed. I tend to like those. So. Agreed. I liked it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So what have you been playing? Today's going to be my roll day. Okay. Um, because the first game that I'm talking about that we've been playing and I really like is Roll Camera. So this came out in like 2021, I think. It is a cooperative game. And so basically the premise is that you are movie producers in a company that is not doing so well. Oh, okay. So this is like your last chance. You have one last chance to produce a film. You have an incredibly limited budget. You have very little time. And you either have to literally produce a movie good enough to pass muster so that you can stay in business or a movie that is so bad that it's good. And there's a literally me a mechanism for that in the game where your movie is either high enough quality to pass and you're okay, mm -hmm. or you can tank the quality so much that it becomes a... So bad it's great type of movie, <laughs> <laughs> which I find hilarious. Yeah. And so it's, it is a, it's a cooperative game where you're rolling crew dice and each of these crew dice have a specific action that they can, or they, they represent a different department, I guess I would say. So you have like lighting, sound, actor. I'm sure, I think there's a visual effects, which is the wild one and like design and some other things. I don't remember all of them, but, and you can assign these dice to either the main board, which has actions that you can do like uh, building set, shooting a scene, a production meeting, taking care of problems, which I'll talk about <laughs> and some of that kind of stuff, or to your specific character board, which depending on which character you are, like the director, the star, you know, the art designer, costume designer, whatever, you have specific actions that you can do as well. So you're, you're assigning those dice to those parts of the board. And depending on where you're assigning them, they might require a, a specific department. So your crew member might have to be from a specific department, which means the die face might have to be something specific. And there's some interesting elements. So for example, when you are placing two 
put a set piece down. There is a grid in the middle of the board that I don't remember. It's probably like a six by six or I think it might be seven by seven, seven by seven grid square where you're putting these little four by four grid pieces that have blue sections on them, which is where you're allowed to place crew members. So it's set design. So like the blue spaces are the open walkways where people can walk. And then the other spaces are like couches and lamps and other things. So you're like putting them onto this board and then you're looking at the scene cards, which have specific departments and specific locations on those blue spaces so that you can shoot the scene, right? So you have to have everything in. So you're not only playing crew dice to like set up the scene in the set design, you have to then put the dice in the spot, which is interesting because when you put the dice on set, Mm -hmm. when it rotates to the next person, they have one fewer dice to roll or two fewer dice to roll or three fewer dice to roll because some die are already committed to on set and they can't be used. You can't use them to do other things. So that one's interesting is is there's a lot of decision making of like, if I assign dice to set, I'm going to lose dice. And if I lose dice we have eight pro- or three not eight it feels like eight but like two big problems we need to figure out or we need to move a set tile so that we can finish the scene or whatever so there's different things that you kind of need to accomplish so your goal is to shoot six scenes um, that makes your full movie and then there's different mechanisms that every time you shoot a scene you you usually gain quality. Some scenes are more quality than others. (laughs) Um, And then there's endgame sort of quality where it's kind of like what your scripts are looking for. So if you feed your scenes into those scripts, you're going to increase your quality versus I guess thematically, it's like you're just shooting random scenes to get your movie done and they're not going (laughs) to add to your quality. And then if, if you're desperate, you can do a production meeting, which you just assign a dice and then you have these idea cards. And then during the production meeting, you're going to put down, you can't say specifically what cards you have, but you can say, I have a card that would be really good for quality, or I have a card that would give us some more time, or I have a, a card that would help us with our budget. And so then you, everybody puts down their idea. You pick one idea to put into play right now. Immediately it happens. One idea goes on the to-do list to mess with later. And then the other ideas, depending on how many people you're playing, go away. They are discarded. So you're kind of sometimes, like, sometimes I'll just be like, I got to throw away. Like, you guys pick ones that you like. I have all bad ideas. (laughs) Don't listen to me. I'm, I'm pitching my idea. So amidst all of this, every time you rotate the turn, buy a set piece, shoot a scene that costs you money and you only have so much budget if you run out of budget you lose that's one way to lose Mm -hmm. this is gonna be kind of pandemic-y right like everything there's a bunch of ways to lose only one way to win so running out of budget's a way that you lose you also have a time element every time you pass the dial or pass the turn in the dice you bop down a time so if you run out of time you lose and then during all of this of course at the beginning of every turn you draw a problem and the problems are pretty entertaining they're crappy and they're not great to deal with but like it'll be like somebody let let a brought a wasp nest in on set and (laughs) so so then it'll be like you know you can't move these set pieces or the actors throwing a fit and requires extra help or every scene you shoot requires an extra you know production or design manager and so like it, it modifies what you're attempting to do in an already very difficult game like this game would be hard to do even without the problems popping up, it would be relatively challenging. You add the problems in and it becomes murderously hard. Like we're finally now, <laughs> we've played on easy slash normal, which is the 
easier side of normal. There's a hard side of normal. We played on easy the first time. We barely won. We lost miserably on the easy normal once. And then we finally, we won again on easy normal. But what's cool is on the back of the dial, that's how you set your your difficulty. It's just based on your time and money. But anyway, so you've got these problems that you can spend dice to solve. Um, the earlier you solve the problem, the easier it is for the dice. So if you solve the problem when it first pops up, you just have to give two dice to it and it'll solve the problem. Okay. If it shifts over because you've added another problem before solving the first one, now they have to be two die of equal faces. Oh, So it becomes okay. more difficult to solve mm. them. And then I think if you get to the third slot... You have to commit three dice. So it gets even more difficult to solve those problems, which is kind of cool. And then for every five problems you solve, you either gain like a money or a time back. I think you get to pick. Okay. So that's that's basically, you're just kind of managing all of these things to try to produce this movie and you're worried about your quality and you're trying to figure out if we can accomplish it in the right amount of time, but you have to get these scenes shot. There's a lot of things to manage. And I, I think I think this is a good one because it's just a little bit more approachable than like a pandemic or like an Atlantis rising where it's, um, which I should talk about sometime, um, because it's not quite as complex. Okay. But there's just enough complexity that it's going to be good for pretty much all gamers. Like, okay. I, I feel like you could fit just about anybody into this, but playing with new people is not really going to be a problem. As with any co-op game, you, it can suffer from alpha gaming, but I, there's so many different options in this game that it didn't even... I don't think that would be a huge, huge issue mm-hmm. because at any given time, there's really necessarily no right or wrong answer. It just depends on what you think you can do with what you have in front of you. So whereas like sometimes I feel like in pandemic, there is a right answer. And if you don't see that and somebody points it out, that leans more heavier into that alpha yeah, game a little yep. bit. So I think for this one, that helps a little bit. But I really enjoy this one. There's a couple of expansions we want to look at, and I'm excited to maybe add some more elements to this a little bit. But this is a hard game. You know, it is a hard game. But when you lose, I mean, it's not a long, it's, I mean, 45 to 90 minutes. I would say we we won, we played on Wednesday, like last week. Um, and I think we won, I think it was probably about 45 minutes, you know, but we we all played before. There was only three of us. And I do think there there is a sweet spot with three on this one. I think you can play with more, but I don't know. I think three might be three might be the best bet for this one. It's really good. I, I really enjoyed it. It's a it's a good cooperative game that's not it doesn't take a ton of time to set up. It doesn't take a ton of time to play. And it's funny, you know, the, there's a lot of character to it. And you do kind of like thematically feel like you're trying to get this thing done. You're trying to set the scene. You're trying to get your stage ready. That's fun. Yeah. So I, I think they did a nice job with this. Now, a- acquiring this game is a little bit tricky. So it came out on Kickstarter. And I think right now what they're doing is a print on demand ordering system. So it's not going to be an overly cheap game. If you find the Kickstarter version, that's going to cost you like a hundred bucks but if you order, I think maybe from their the Keen Bean Studio, which is the the company, um, I think you can get it for like forty five, fifty bucks. But it's it's a. I will say we have a print on demand one, and it's cool. It's got a clapper box, you know, like the oh, movie okay, clappers, yep. mm-hmm. which I think is fun. Not super structurally sound. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I will say the quality of that and the quality of some of the components maybe not like overly excellent, but thoroughly enjoyable game. Highly recommend. So that is Roll Camera, the filmmaking board game. Good little cooperative game. Fun. Yeah. So what are you excited about? So the game that I am excited about is called Cartini. And this is an independent um, designer. And it's about schoolgirls in Indonesia. And 
as they graduate, they become professionals, and then they support the fight for the country's freedom. Hmm. So it's a really cool. It's sort of like how educating women impacts politics and the economy. And huh. Yeah. So I think it's it's pretty interesting. There wasn't too much available yet on the mechanisms for it, but it is listed that there's action points, area movement, end game bonuses, events, hidden victory points, income, market, network and route building, ownership in turn order, pass order. Hmm. So those are all the mechanics listed on Board Game Geek, which are all things that I tend to like in games. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it does sound like this one will at least be interesting. I can't wait to see more about it. I'm, I've been looking for maybe like a playthrough or something mm-hmm. that I can take a look at it. But I, the reason that I wanted to shout this one out is because not only do I, I think women's education is very important, but the designer, this new independent designer, Sharia Ayuadini, and I hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> Listen to this woman's bio, okay? (laughs) Not only did she design a whole game that looks beautiful, I might add, Mm -hmm. and it looks complex, but she is a senior researcher at the University of Amsterdam. And this is directly from the McDonald International Scholar Academy. Okay, she has spent more than 15 years of international research experience in in 2018, she and some of her colleagues established Empatica, and this is an organization where she worked in Ghana, uh, providing policy inputs on sexual and reproductive rights for young people in Uganda and social assistance and poverty alleviation for senior citizens in Bangladesh on child labor, in Lebanon on social tension between Syrian refugees and the local population. In a personal capacity, she's a vice the government of Tajikistan on civil registry for citizenship rights through her work with UNDP. Yeah, that's not all. (laughs) She is currently working with UNICEF on a public health research project in Eastern Indonesia for the eradication of malaria. And she is um, also working on addressing the issue of teenage pregnancy in Indonesia, Laos, Cambodia, and Malaysia. In her current appointment at the University of Amsterdam, she leads a $10 million research and intervention project in the Netherlands, in the UK, Norway, Poland, Portugal, and South Africa. And she's received the prestigious Veni Grant from the Dutch government, awarded to the early career researchers in the top 1% of their field. If this game is anywhere <laughs> near as interesting as she sounds, right. Sharia Ayuadini, I mean, I'm just like so impressed when yeah. somebody just designs a game, but she's designed a game on top of all of that. Right. <laughs> so it's like, you know, in her spare time <laughs> between like solving malaria right. and eradicating child labor. Right. So crazy. <laughs> I just think that cool. she sounds like a cool person. I really wanted to shout her out and her work. And I'm really excited to see what she's developed as far as this game. And I'm always interested in games that are not only from independent designers, but that are educational. Very cool. Um, so yeah, so that's the one that I am interested in. How about you? What are you interested in? 
So not terribly long ago, at this point though, it was like a year ago, we played through and had a delightful time playing through role player adventures. And which is a, a role player adventures is a great game if you have a board game group that has a minor interest in D&D or yep. role playing type games, because mm-hmm. I think it hits both things pretty well. I mean, it's really light, light d and I mean, yes. you're not doing a ton of things. Although I will say we are playing through Roleplayer Adventures a second time with the character expansion, mm-hmm. the, or the first one, where you actually like get some little character side quests and things. And I don't know why we didn't do it the first time. We should no, have. Yeah. That has added a little bit of that D&D element where you get a little bit more insight into your character and maybe start kind of making decisions based on what they would do rather than what you as just a human would do. Yeah. So yeah. that I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are playing through that a second time. But what just popped to our door yesterday is the new expansion for Roleplayer Adventures, which is Gullpax's Secret. And Gullpax was a character in the original Roleplayer game. And so now you get to kind of figure out he has a secret and you're trying to go through this new adventure to kind of figure out what's going on. And so I, 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 I'm so excited for more in this world. And I, I really hope this is a game that they continue to release content for. Me too. Or open it up for maybe some like community content, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a ton of stuff in the game that you could easily write things for if you had the creativity to want to do that. Um, so you do have to have the Roleplayer Adventures base game to play this. You cannot just pick up the expansion and play. You need all of the new stuff, which okay. again, I'm a fan of. Because it, I think it's smart, I think, for this type of game. I hope Thunderworks Games, as I said, continues to produce content for yeah. this. And what's nice is you can use the pre-generated characters from the adventure. This is a game member. You can go back and play a game of role player, just the board game, yeah. and then use that character in yes. your adventure. So yeah. if you really wanted to dive into it, you could go that way. So I'm very excited about this one. The reviews are pretty good. I mean, again, it's it's pretty new. Thunderworks game is local for us. We like that they're a medicine yep. company. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been impressed with the stuff that they put out. So I, I have high hopes for this. Really not even high hopes. I'm just excited to engage more yes. in the world. Um, and I... It's fun. It has been fun playing through a second time. So we're playing through with two of our other friends. Mm-hmm. So Jordan and I are mostly staying out of the decision making because we know some things, although mm-hmm. it's been long enough now that I don't think I remember. Right. Um, <laughs> but like, I, it's fun because it's fun to see what they choose versus like what, what we chose when we played together with yeah. you and Jack. Yeah. And so it's probably kind of spoilery, but it's okay. Yeah. If you've not played role player adventures, maybe skip the next 30 seconds. But there's a moment in the game where essentially, you make a decision and you end up either being a vampire or not being a vampire yep, yep. we're vampires <laughs> <laughs> and we were not vampires the first time through. no no so that has been interesting to see so we joke that we sparkle oh um, fun <laughs> that we are the i'm not a twilight fan but i think yeah. the sparkly vampires are fun so yeah so yes we are and so I, i'm excited to see how that plays through i think we're about halfway through the campaign so they live in iowa we live in wisconsin so we only pick that up maybe a couple times a year to play But it's pretty telling that even though we only play it a few times a year, Mm -hmm. pretty much all of us remember our characters. We remember what's going on. That's good storytelling. So, and that's, it's, it's one of the impressive things that I think they've done with Roleplayer is made, you know, an impactful story because everybody knows about the king and either loves him or hates him. Most people hate him and it's fine. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm excited for more more content in the the world of role player. So that's role player adventures. Ghoul Pax's secret. Yes, I was just so impressed 
I can't even imagine how many hours of playtesting they had to have for the original game. Oh my gosh. And how many times they had to play through the campaign and how many people had to play through it just to make sure you have things in the right place. There's literally just a a book, a, a thick book that you are depending on what you decide. Actually, there's several books, but like depending on what you decide, you're being taken to other places to then continue the storyline. So yes, your decisions change and you get these titles that stick with you through the game. And then it'll mm-hmm. ask you, do you have this title? And if you do or don't, it takes you to a new look. I mean, like how many levels and layers of directions that you can go? It's, yes. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I And I was just so impressed that like, in a lot of choose your own adventure type books or games, mm-hmm. the decision seems somewhat arbitrary. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it may change something, but... It, it doesn't seem to really impact the ending in the long run. This game, the decisions you make have a drastic impact <laughs> on what happens in the game. Yeah. And not only that, but decisions you made at the very beginning of the game revisit you yes. later. Yes. So I just, I really love that, how they tied everything through. And I can't imagine, like, I imagine them planning this game with, like, an enormous cork board yeah. and, like, yarn and pins. Yes, exactly. And, like, like <laughs> tracing literal pathways on yeah. how to get through different things. It's yeah. crazy. But. Yeah. It's a great game. It is. And I, I think this one is, it's easy enough to approach that I do believe you could play this with anybody. Mm -hmm. Like, because it's cooperative, because it's, you know, if you just did the base game, no fancy things, and you just sat down and played with a bunch of people, they'd have fun. You know, I mean, you're always making group decisions. Can it suffer from alpha gaming? Yes, it can. But, like, it's also, at the end of the day, it's up to you to make that decision during your turn. Mm -hmm. And so, like, even though you're working together, you still get to make the choices you want to make. So it it does temper it a little bit. Except that we all vetoed Jacques' decisions. (laughs) Shock always wanted to choose the chaos option. Yeah. <laughs> and Although like, no. I do kind of want to play through just letting him do him I kinda. and pick the chaos option all the time. Because he did a couple times yeah. get us some cool stuff from the chaos option. Yeah. So maybe maybe with the uh, expansion we should yeah. let Jacques just go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> the chaos option. But anyway, so oh, that's funny. my second roll of the game because I'm on a roll today. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so role player adventures and roll camera are both my my what i'm excited what i'm playing so yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah what other nerdy stuff have you been up to i've been watching loki Ah, uh, the second, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the second season of Loki. More Tom Hiddleston. Yes, Excellent. yes. I I feel like I need a refresher on what happened last <laughs> season. I'm always like this with any movie or book that has time jump in it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what happened? Where are we? What year is this? <laughs> Who is this guy? So um, I'm just kind of rolling with it and just hoping that it just makes sense eventually. But I'm sure there's a synopsis somewhere that I can find. But I'm really interested to see how some of the storyline plays out mm-hmm. and how they resolve. And Loki has always been, I think, my favorite Marvel character. Mm-hmm. Or one of my favorites. So I just, I love those conflicted anti-heroes. Yes. And he, and Tom Hiddleston does such a good job. Yes. Playing Loki. Yes. Like he's phenomenal. And the mm-hmm. Sylvie is also really good. Yes. I really like her as well. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I'm going to jump in because I'm also going to nerd out a little bit about this. Yeah. I'm also super excited to see Key. I think it's Key Hui Kwan. Okay. Um. So he is in, he's the guy they go down and talk oh, to. Oh, uh, QB. Yeah. He's, yeah. And he's short round in yeah. Indiana Jones. So that he was short round, the little oh, kid. Obi, not QB. <laughs> yeah. Obi, yes. So he was short, short round in Indiana Jones. And then he was also in the Goonies. His, he was Data in the Goonies. Oh, okay. And then he kind of quit acting for a long time. And then he came back for everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. And now he's back and he's, and mm-hmm. I'm so, ex- I just, I love him. Like, I think he's so, and he, his character in Loki is just fantastic. Yes. Like, he's yes. like, I mean, he's just so like, oh, the, that, if we do that, the world's going to end. Very much like, <laughs> it's just like, it, but he, it's, I don't know how to explain it. He's like, he's calmly not- excited about everything. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's good, bad, ugly, sideways, yeah. upside down. Doesn't matter. He's just like, oh yeah, that, that, that's what happens. Yeah. Like- well, yeah. Yeah. And it's not like he's flat of affect because no. he's excited the whole time, but he's also not like panicking. Yeah. It's just like. Oh, isn't this interesting? Yeah, everything is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I kind of yeah. aspire to be that. Like everything is interesting. The and world is ending and the the timeline is fracturing. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yep, <laughs> what? Yep. I, what I love about it is he keeps referring back to this manual he wrote because he's sort of like the engineering genius at the, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not really ruining anything no. here. But it reminds me of working in a corporate office where I wrote the documentation <laughs> and being like, well, if you looked at the documentation. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's great. I'm just so excited to see him back. And I think that was just a perfect role for him. Yeah. And his interaction with Loki and Owen Wilson or with Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. Yes. So good. Yeah. So good. Also did not think I was going to like Owen Wilson in that. And he's great. He's great. Yes. And I should not have doubted him because he's Owen Wilson. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. And it's funny because Jacques does not like Owen Wilson in anything. not a big fan, but... I've always thought he was sarcastically funny. So... I mean, I've enjoyed his movies, but he's never been my favorite, but... My probably my favorite role of his is where he plays the writer, the author in the Royal Tenenbaums. Have you ever seen that? I haven't. Oh my gosh, we, you and I need to watch the Royal Tenenbaums. It's hilarious. <laughs> but he plays this author that's basically like cosplaying as a Western author. So he does that all these things right. that are like what he envisions as a Western author, and he has these giant paintings on his wall of like. Dudes in primal masks on four wheelers, <laughs> and I, I was like, that can't be real. No, those are real paintings, and I kind of want one. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to pay you that much, <laughs> right? One, but because they crack me up so much. That's funny. Because it's like this is what a man is. <laughs> <laughs> I really like him in um, Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights with Jackie Chan. Oh, see, I haven't seen. That. Oh my gosh, I just those two together are just a riot. I and bet I, that it just he fits really well in that yeah. world. But it's again, it's kind of a westerny. You know, I don't know. But he has that like. Matthew McConaughey laid back kind of dry yeah. humor weirdness yeah. you know <laughs> yeah so yeah I I do like him and things but he is almost always Owen Wilson yeah. oh yeah. yeah I mean yeah he's even in Loki he's still Owen, Owen Wilson, Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not he's not a one-trick pony but kind of yeah yeah <laughs> 
So what nerdy things have you been up to? (laughs) So I was at, this is going to be really silly, but for work, I go to some of these energy efficiency expos. And I was at one this last week in Brookfield, Wisconsin. And uh, the keynote speaker was Miss America. Oh. Who is from Wisconsin. She's from Wausau, Wisconsin. Grace Stanky is her name. You might be doing the same thing everybody else was. Like, why the why the heck is Miss America talking at an energy expo <laughs> yeah. conference? Um, because she's a nuclear engineer. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And just, just, just a nuclear <laughs> engineer just a nuclear and Miss America. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. And she's only like 21. So oh, it's cool, fine. cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> so speaking of people that make you feel like you've done nothing right. with your life. Um, anyways, she's a, a lovely individual. And oh, um, it was just, it was kind of cool. Like, it was... Just so interesting to see her there and and see her interacting, you know, as I think sometimes with the younger generation, because of the the climate that they've grown up in and the things, their interactions with the older generation tend to maybe not go so well because they are just often at odds. And Mm -hmm. she did a good job of pushing the boundaries, but not being disrespectful. And that's nice. um, That was that. I mean, obviously, I'm sure she's well coached and trained, but like, I just feel like she was advocating for nuclear energy. Mm hmm. Talking about its potential role combined with renewable energy moving forward, because there are some challenges with renewable energy. And it was just really good. It's something that I I talked about quite a bit when I was teaching, talking about how, you know, there's this misconception about nuclear, because as soon as you say it, everybody's like, oh, Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, you know, know, Fukushima, it's all bad. Everybody's going to die. Like, well... No, (laughs) it's actually um, what she joke about. She joked about you're three times more likely to die in a working at a bookstore than you are at a nuclear power plant. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, she's like, books falling on your head. Major issue. Um, So be careful, folks. (laughs) She was talking about that. She was really funny. But it was just it was really fascinating to listen to her speak. I guess she does a bunch of stuff on social media about that. But she she advocates for nuclear and just opens up conversations about nuclear as a potential baseload for our energy grid. And I just say it was really fascinating. And it was kind of cool to say we got to meet Miss America. A bunch of the people from our company were super excited and like went and got a photo with her. And I was like, nah, I'm good. Like, I, I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. But like they had fun. And good. I suppose, I mean, he, my my boss was right. He's like, how many times in your life are you going to get the chance to go get a picture with Miss America? I was like, right. Valid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm still okay. I don't feel the need to do it, but right. you guys go ahead. It's all good. Yeah, I don't need to stand by yeah. Miss America. <laughs> I mean, that was another thing, too. I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> like, I'll talk about meeting her. It was cool, but we're great. Yeah. I, my only... My only celebrity picture I have is me next to Patrick Rothfuss. Yes. And it was like the end of the day, though. And yeah. you could tell that he was just like, Done. nah. Yeah. <laughs> like, he does not look like he's having a good time. Right. Like, his kids were there and his right. um, significant other. And, like, <laughs> you could tell that he was just, like, at his, like, people max right. for the day. I'm done. Yes. <laughs> and I'm just like, huge Cheshire grin. Right. So I'm like, yeah, I don't need to have pictures with I didn't see, that's kind of where I'm at, too. Like, I thoroughly enjoy, like, we had, got Patrick Rothfuss to sign. But again, that wasn't a really long thing. It was right. very much like a, just a library meet and greet. He talked yeah. for an hour and then we got to, so I think it was maybe like, three hours total for him. So like, I feel like that was more manageable and you maybe don't hit your people limit as a, you know, a famous person doing that. But yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat where I just don't have a strong desire to go meet famous people. Like, yeah, because I know that they're just people and it's cool that they do cool things, but Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. That's not a bucket list item for me. So I'm, no. that's part of me too. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm good. You guys have your fun. Get your photo. I'm happy. Yeah. 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 But it's more like, 
would I love to sit down with him over a cup of coffee and yes. ask them a ton of questions? Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> Do yeah. I want to be one of the thousand people they've seen that day? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> exactly. That's that's where I'm at as yeah. well. Like it's, yeah. I think it's the meaningful interaction part that I kind of struggle with. Otherwise, you just become a publicity item. And I don't know that I want that. Yeah. So. I don't want to treat people like objects. Either, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like I or just an like, opportunity. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I'm interested to hear more about that conference, though, because it was it was good. I mean, the conference was good, learned a lot of different interesting things. But yeah, having her speak was pretty, pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, like it. Well, I think that's all we have for this week. We're going to sign off here, but keep playing games, keeping kind to one another. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.